Hello, and thank you for listening to the From Lost to Light podcast. My name is Angie, and I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Hello. Hi, Sam. Hi, Angie. Hi. Today, we have a very special guest in our house with us, and her name is Samantha. Today, we're going to be talking with Samantha about her story, and we will just kind of let her go into all that, but I just wanted to check with Michelle quick. How are you? Well, I hit that big milestone. I had that big 60th birthday. Yes. This weekend, Happy so. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of people that don't get to see that. Date, I know. So. I know. Isn't it a blessing? Like to me, age I is embraced just, it. Yep. Yep. Age is just a number. <laughs> I don't, I'm just, I'm 51. So, you know, I'm just behind you, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm always full of gratitude. Like you, you're saying. Yep. Because we just, I, don't get I, my mantra for this next year is, attitude of gratitude. Yes. I love that. I love that so much. So, well, that is great. A happy, happy birthday. And I hope this is the best year yet. Yes. (laughs) All right. So why don't we go ahead and dive in? Do you want to start with Samantha? Well, Samantha, what we would like for you to do is introduce yourself to our listeners. Give us your backstory. And so, and bring us forward with, you know, some people refer to it as losses. In your case, I think you like to refer to it as awakenings about your past. So let's let you dive in and and give us your backstory. Oh boy, that's a big question, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, beautiful people. My name is Samantha Cooper. And yes, I go by Samantha. I will do my best to hit the highlights of the last 46 beautiful years of my life and feel free to jump in and either stop me or ask questions at any any point in time. My first awakening is what I call it. I guess I've had three. I'll see if I can get through all three in the time that I'm allowed. <laughs> Somewhere around the age of 40 or so, I I would have told anyone who asked me about my childhood that I had a textbook childhood, right? Everything was perfect. I grew up in a small town and only child parents worked just a block or two from home. So they were never far away. And I just always thought things, things were just normal, right? I had this perfect little childhood. And once I reached the point of adulthood, and at that point in my life, I was married and had a small child. I had a point in time where I I would call it the event, the awakening event. I didn't get along with my mother most of my life, well, all of my life. And everyone just said, well, you're so alike, you know, you clash. And I always just accepted that. But I'd reached a point where I was struggling in the relationship with my parents. I was struggling as a, a new mother. My daughter at the time was two. I worked from home full time. I we had a farm. I was home and managed the household and my daughter and relationships with my parents and full-time jobs. It was getting overwhelming and I was starting to struggle in life to some degree. And I had gone one particular day to see my parents and help them with a cell phone, a basic little thing in life like a cell phone. And the same mantras, the same things kicked in again that afternoon. You know, why, why are you living your life like this? Why are you, why are you not doing what we expect of you? Why do you keep trying to, to do all of these things? I was a runner. I like to do triathlons. And those things, for whatever reason, upset them. I never understood why. But the fact that I tried to do so many things in life rather than being proud 
it frustrated them. And this particular day, for whatever reason, something changed. I had always tried to appease and I'll do better. And yes, I'll change that. And, you know, I had one degree and still didn't have their approval. So I had a master's degree and then another master's degree and then a PhD and then a second PhD. And I ran a 5k and then a 10k and then a marathon and then ultra marathon. Like nothing was ever, ever enough. And that day the question started in it. I don't know how or why. I don't know what changed. I still can't tell you to this day. But I sat there so calmly and I had no response other than, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I don't know if anyone has ever dealt with a narcissistic parent or a bipolar narcissistic parent, but approaching them with no emotion will aggravate them to no end and they will elevate and escalate the confrontation until you until you submit to whatever it is that they're, they're wanting. And normally this works for for the first 40 years of my life. This had definitely worked. I had done everything in my power to be whatever it was they wanted me to be. And it had never worked. I was just never enough. And that day I found the peace in my brain. Somehow I attributed it to all the miles of running, just staring out at the world and saying, okay, I'm going to observe this, but I'm not engaging today. I just, I have nothing left to engage with. The conversation finally ended with, you know, hugs and okay, I guess, I guess I'm just going to have to get over this because you're never going to change who you are. I didn't know how to answer that. So I said, okay, I, I guess, I guess you are. I, I don't know. And I got home and these conversations were not that unusual, but this one was a little more difficult. And I shared it with my husband when I got home and he listened intently. And at the end of the conversation, he finally said, he says, you know, this isn't normal, right? You understand that this dynamic is not normal. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, that's, that's emotional abuse. I said, well, okay. All right. Well, I have things to do. I'm going to go shower and get ready for our road trip. I didn't know what to do with that. I don't think my brain could wrap my mind around the concept of emotional abuse within my family. And I couldn't, I don't know. It, it was such a big label yeah. to accept. Well, Yeah. So I let it go. We, we headed out on the road for a road trip. And I was so glad that we wouldn't have to have encounters with my parents for a couple of weeks because <laughs> we're out of town. And for whatever reason, that particular encounter just would not leave my mind. I mean, we had difficulties often. So I don't know why this one was so different. And we were in the hotel. And of course, I couldn't sleep because I never slept. And I started researching. I pulled up on my laptop. I'm like, what is emotional abuse? Why won't this phrase leave my mind? Because it's absurd, right? My husband has to be wrong. He's just exaggerating to make me feel better. And I spent the next almost 48 hours on my laptop just reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And I couldn't deny it. Every blog, every story, every psychology article, like it was, it was all described to me and that relationship to a T. Oh, wow. So... I didn't know what to do from that point. I thought, well, all right, finally, you know, at the end of the trip on the way home, I said, all right, I'm going to talk to my husband about this. I didn't, I didn't think he believed me or if he, I don't, I don't know what I thought. I was so confused or scared by the concept. I really didn't know what he would think. So we headed on down the road and the daughter finally fell asleep. I said, all right, I got to drop a a big one. I got to drop a big one on you. He's like, all right, hit me with it. And I told him what I read and told him, you know, why I'd read it and what I thought. And he says, okay. Yeah. So 
like, what do you mean? Yeah. So like, this is a big thing, right? He says, no, this is not news. Like this, of course it's true. Of course. Like I tried to tell you this many times. Why are you just now seeing this? Thought, okay. Well, it's not news to him. It, this is all news to me. Somehow I couldn't see what I couldn't see. Yeah. I had grown up an only child. I had just one friend and I, I wasn't involved in her family dynamic. So there was no point of reference. There was no way for me to look at something outside of myself and go, wow, this, this household looks really different than everyone else's. Something here might be not quite right <laughs> as opposed to everyone else. Well, not everyone, but other families that function on a more healthy level. Eventually I, I decided I needed help. I like, I, I can't, I can't put this away. I can't rebox it and put it back away in the back of my mind. It's not going away this time. So I sought the help of a psychologist or therapist. And of course, you know, the nerdy geek that I am with all of my degrees, I walked in with a three ring binder and all my research and a, a two page annotated executive summary with the key points. So I wouldn't waste his time. I it was, oh, I'm so crazy. I'm a nerd. And my basic question for him was, is this real? right? Is this emotional abuse? Could that concept be a real element of my childhood? And, well, and obviously my adulthood too. I was still very close with my parents and it didn't take him 10 minutes. He says, well, yes, of course it's real. Not only is it real, he says, if you looked up adult of narcissistic parenting style, your picture would be there. <laughs> he says, you are a textbook case of exactly what you have just asked me about. He says, you're overachieving. Nothing is enough low self-esteem, low self-confidence, high self-doubt, the list goes on and on. So it was, it was a long period of questioning everything. Suddenly this idyllic childhood I thought I'd had, this picture perfect small town Norman Rockwell painting had turned dark. It wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was. And then suddenly it was, well, why am I who I am? Do I genuinely like school? Do I like having all these degrees? Do I like running? Do I like the furniture in my house? What's well, all my parents? I inherited it every time they got something new. My whole life appeared to represent a personality I had developed to appease someone else. Wow. And then it was a bit terrifying. Your whole world kind of shatters. Nothing really is what you think it is. <laughs> You question every action. Why do I do this? Do I genuinely want to do this or do I do this because I think I have to? Is it a trauma response? Definitely. I mean, in my, what I'm just listening, it's just a lot of loss. I mean, the loss of your whole identity of everything that you said, and it's just, and how old were you at this time, Samantha? Around my 40th birthday, that that general year. Okay. Wow. So it's, it had taken a while to get to even finding all that, right? It had, it, which is really frustrating. <laughs> As an adult yeah. now, I look back and I wish I had gotten there so much sooner. Yeah. I have a question yes, for ma'am. our listeners and for myself and probably Angie. Can you tell us what degrees you actually hold? Oh, you mentioned boy. several, but you didn't identify <laughs> what they were. I started with a bachelor's in accounting, finished my CPA. So I got finished that exam. And then I went on to a master's in human resources and then a master's in business administration, went on to PhD and I did my PhD in business administration, but it was too generic for my taste. I guess I teach several different disciplines. So I wanted more specialization. So I went on and finished a certificate to support my PhD in management, human resources, finance, and accounting. 
And I know you have your own business, correct? Or I do. You work from home. I do. I work remotely. I have. I do have a full-time job, believe it or not, an actual <laughs> a certifiable full-time job, but I also contract. So I still teach for a number of universities and I'm the new crazy spiritual lady. So if you look me up, I'm Dr. Dr. Cooper and company, and I do like life coaching, counseling, spiritual channeling, that kind of thing. So there's never you a dull moment. Your, your own podcast too. I do. I do. We're on. Well, I think we're on about the same track here. I'm recording episode number four next week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what's your name of your podcast? The doctor. It's pretty generic. The Dr. Cooper and Company podcast. That's easy to find. It is. (laughs) So, okay. So then now that we got the things out of there, yeah, I was wondering, what was your second awakening? Hmm. Similar situation, different family member. So I did eventually disassociate from my parents. It took it took quite a while. I finally made that separation. And at that point in time, I thought, oh my goodness, I have solved everything. I am a whole new person. My life is going to be perfect from here on out. Look at this healing I've done. And things did go really well for a few, for a few years. A few years after that point, though, I found myself facing a divorce. I did not see coming, though I very much should have. My friends saw it coming years before I did. But long story short, I had I had been contacted early in the marriage by a gal with information saying that she too had been dating my husband, had lots of key, I don't know, data or evidence. I'm not sure what word to use, but very compelling evidence that she was telling the truth. But contrary to what I thought, I had not truly fully healed from, you know, my first awakening. I was still not whole. I still lacked self-confidence. And what I hadn't woken up to the fact was that I am love. I am whole all on my own. I can make a beautiful partner for someone else, but I, I don't need someone else to love me. I I am love. I had not gotten to that point yet. So the the thought of losing my spouse was equally as devastating as the thought of losing my parents. And I refused to see anything to the contrary. So looking back over the course of our time together, I can see lots of red flags very, very clearly right now. And, you know, a fully healthy person probably should have or could have walked away at any given point. I, however, was not able and willing to see it at that point. And we stayed together for many, many years. It was just a few years after I had separated from my parents that I learned he was, again, seeing someone and they had been together for almost a year at that point, planning a new life together, but still, still married it at home with me. And once I found out All of my friends were excited to hear about the big smackdown. You know, what did you do? Did you let him have it? What what was the big event? And there wasn't one. I I thought it through and all I wanted was my family. I want my husband. I want my child. I want my home. Whatever we have to do to make this work, that's what we're going to do. And it sounds good in theory, but I did. I had some very, very, very dark days sharing my husband with another woman for I forget now, six, seven, eight months. Wow. And it got, it got ugly. It got so ugly as he tried to push me away. I think he needed, I I suspect, I can't speak for him, but I suspect he needed me to end things. He too didn't want to 
accept the failure of a marriage. He needed to push one direction or the other. And the things that were said were just, I was told at one point I, I was not marriage material. I should never have had a child. I was a bad mother. Clearly my parents were right to disown me because I'm not a good child. So I spent a few months in a deep depression myself. I went on leave from work. I, I, I helped Emma. I fed my daughter and I slept and I stared at the wall. I mean, I, I was barely functioning as a human. And I hate that I went through those, those times. And I hate that my daughter saw me go through those times. But that's what led to my second, my second awakening. I woke up one day and I said, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. Please, please take our daughter for the weekend. I must leave this house. I, I don't know. I just, I needed out. I, <laughs> I was in a dark, dark hole in the ground. There was no light. There was no air. There was nothing. And I, I just knew I couldn't stay there. So I took off and I started driving and I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I had 48 hours before I had to be back to get my precious child. And that was all that mattered. I had 48 hours. <laughs> I call it my rumspringa because I ended up in I don't know. I was in Missouri for a while. I made it all the way down to Arkansas. I never stopped to sleep. I just drove and I stopped at live music and would stop to eat once in a while. I had meals with strangers. I had drinks with strangers. I danced in bars. I probably shouldn't have been dancing. In. I don't know. <laughs> I did not do anything that a married woman should not have done, but I was definitely out doing some interesting things for 48 hours. And I came home so prepared to either fix things or leave. I, I was finally at that point where I thought, you know, I went out into the world, people accepted me, strangers sat with me, shared a meal with me. I, you know, most of the men in the bars, I'm sure were interested in far less, less than kind things, but I was, I was a worthy human that was accepted in the world. There was a big world out there and the whole world was not rejecting me. Just this one person was rejecting me. And that one weekend experience was enough to rekindle hope inside of me as a person. I know that sounds a little weird, but I had truly gotten to the point where other than, you know, being there for my daughter, I saw no value in my life whatsoever. I believed everything I was hearing and it just got so dark. Yeah. It sounds like to me that that 48 hours, you just really found yourself and found out who you really were in the inside. A, a little bit. I found out that there was someone inside worth See? getting to yeah. know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. How old was your daughter at the time? Six. Okay. Six so she was young. Yeah. 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 Very young. She's learned a lot of hard lessons, I think, yeah. for a young person. But what I think is beautiful is that she and I are bonded so closely. And She's like your mini. She is. Everybody calls her Mini Cooper, which is so <laughs> she, cute. She is. And she's so smart for, well, she's 12 now. I've told you before, she's an old soul. She is. Everyone who meets her says that. And I love that she has life skills and emotional skills at her age that I still didn't have at 40. I went through some really tough life experiences because I was so small inside. I was scared. I didn't feel worthy of much of anything. And I really let the world take advantage of me in a lot of ways. And I watch her little fierce 12 year old <laughs> self. I'm like, all right, I hate that you've seen some of the things you've seen in life, but I know that at 40, she's going to be 
so far ahead of me in life because she's learning these things so young and has the confidence and the emotional skills to handle some really difficult conversations. Well, and she, she learned it from you, you know, and that's one thing, you know, she, she sees that she has your guidance. And I mean, I've heard that, you know, like with my story, my daughter was six when her daddy died, you know, my husband. And so, and then, you know, I had also lost my son and I had lost my brother two months after my husband had died, you know, so it was just my daughter and I. And so through those losses, you know, people, I mean, my daughter has grown into this amazing young lady. She's, you know, she's 21 now and, you know, people are just like, you know, she does so well and she just carries herself well and she, she moves through life and, you know, they're like, that's all, you know, a testimony to you, Angie, on how you, you know, you raised her and you taught her. And I think that's, I know that's the same with Michelle, you know, with her daughter. And I just, listening to you talking about your daughter, you know, how, how grown up she is and all that. And she knows so much it's because of you, you know, so you, you have to take a thousand percent credit for that because that's what I believe. I would agree. I we're friends on Facebook. So I've, I've even watched some cute videos when Samantha and her daughter traveled in your RV Mm -hmm. and she got on and made some of the videos. And I was just like, what a cool little kid, you know, really. <laughs> well, if you enjoy listening to Emma, you better listen to our next podcast when it comes out next week because oh. she was my guest last week. Oh, I love that. I'm going to definitely subscribe to your podcast so I can make sure I listen They're to They're wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. That's I've so listened great. to all of them and I'm so impressed that's with your guests. Nice. Yes, that's awesome. Thank I can't you. wait to hear Emma. I know that'll be good. <laughs> well, I won't spoil it, but I didn't know what to expect. So I, I did my little welcome bit and I turned the microphone to her expecting me to have to kind of work with her a little bit. Oh my God. The kid rolled out with joke <laughs> after joke. Like, Oh, she's upstaging me on my own podcast. Yay. Good job. <laughs> She'll start her own podcast. Kids. There you go. You know, I've listened to podcasts before that are kind of, you know, similar where they have, maybe they've gone through some losses and they have their kids pop on or different things. And I'll tell you what, I learn more from those podcasts than some of, you know, just the regular podcasts because kids honest, honest, they're brilliant. I mean, they just, they, they hold it all. And I mean, we all need to really take lessons from them on how to find our light, live life. (laughs) Yeah. Spontaneous. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's move on to your third awakening because I think this one is so interesting. I've, I've, I'm just going to stop here and and just interject that I met Samantha at the Okoboji Writers Retreat that is hosted in Okoboji every September. And we became fast friends. It was like old souls meeting old souls. And we've stayed in contact since last year and looking forward to the, the next one next month. But so why don't you tell us about your third awakening? All right. Well, here's where things get a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's ever weird. Nothing's ever weird. (laughs) Well, we covered the loss part, I guess, the first two, which definitely led to light in both experiences. But the third one is so beautiful. There was no, there was no event. There was no bad, awful happening. It was a slow, gradual awakening of my spirituality 
I had a friend throughout all of these experiences who is deeply spiritual and she channels and does dream interpretation and so many beautiful things that I didn't really know anything about. So I can't say I didn't believe in, but I didn't know enough about them to really fully believe or embrace. And one afternoon I finally said, you know, I think I'm going to take that dream interpretation course that your school offers. She's, oh my goodness, why? Like she's thrilled, but why? She's, why now? I said, I have I have absolutely no idea why now. I don't know. I just feel like I should. And what unfolded throughout the course was so beautiful. I learned about spirit guides and connecting to energy and channeling and all of the spiritual gifts that I believe we all have. Everyone has some. Some have many and they're varied and different. I have a laundry list of them, half of which I don't know how to manage or do anything with yet. But my first to develop was channeling. So I call it clear audience. I can hear spirit, which was quite the adventure as I started meditating and started connecting to what I believe are spirit guides. Not everybody resonates with the same terminology. So some might say I'm praying for me. I'm meditating. I'm talking to source or the universe, my guides. Others might say they're talking to angels or God. So whatever terminology resonates for you, I think we all talk in the same language. We just don't understand one another from one religion or spiritual belief to another. But I started channeling and it changed my life. I, I come from an area here in Northwest Iowa where it's not common. My friends, some of them are from California and I, like that's just common out here. We just talk about that stuff. I'd say something about it here and the room would get really quiet. And everyone would look at you funny like, okay, we don't talk about this here. <laughs> so I had kept, kept my gifts to myself for the most part. I've done a lot of channeled writing. I, for whatever reason, that is a gift I have. I can close my eyes, sit at the computer and a spirit meeting to share a story or a message will simply start making my fingers move faster than I can make them move. And there's, there's a story on the page. So I had written a couple of spiritual books. I've written many, I I, I can't call them short stories. I'm not even sure what you call them. Channeled writings, I guess, for spirit. And was at the Okaboji writers retreat where I met Michelle. And that was a big turning point for me because I hadn't shared my gifts at all with anyone, not even my husband. He didn't believe in that kind of thing. So I just didn't talk about it. And I I finally found the strength to say out loud at the retreat or at the retreat that yes, I channel spirit or I'm a medium or a psychic medium, whatever term you want to use. And someone from behind me says really loudly, you're a medium. (laughs) This this was Michelle. (laughs) I thought in my head, oh, please don't say it that loud. Please don't say that. Everyone will know. (laughs) And that started a wonderful conversation. I think you and I started visiting and others overheard. And I remember by the end of the night, there was four or five, six people sitting there talking to us. Yeah. It was like a magnet. All these people were just circling us. Yes. And the next three days, it was the same way. There was just beautiful people, supportive people. And that started, well, the next year of my life, which is this past year of writing and sharing, sharing my story, starting my podcast. Well, if I remember right, didn't you get up and read one of your writings on the last day? I did. About somebody you channeled? I did. Did Mary's story. Yeah. Yes. And everybody was just like so into that. I'm sure it had to be something with the energy that you portray. You know, we're 
we're doing our podcast today over Zoom. By the way, congratulations, Michelle, our first Zoom podcast. <laughs> but, you know, and I can just, I can feel the energy, you know, by seeing you. And so I think it has something to do with that. I cannot only imagine that energy that was in that room that day with you. Well, and wouldn't you agree the the types of people that were at the Okoboji Writers Retreat, it felt like I had found all these lost soul, you know, not lost soul, all these souls I identified with mm -hmm. from different walks of life. It was, there was something magical about 100 that. percent agree. There was wow. a tremendous amount of supportive, loving energy, which I think is, is bound to happen when you draw in that many people who have a passionate story to share. Right. Um, that's, that's what the writer's retreat is for. For and you know, to some degree, is to help everybody has a story. Everybody has a story, and the most beautiful thing about my spiritual gifts, one of the most beautiful things, is sharing stories for others. Like Mary's story, I have not finished channeling. I, I've done about three chapters for her. I look forward to learning more for her. But she was a small child who witnessed her father beat her mother to death. And channeling for her is extremely difficult because I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I'm not ideal. I'm not very talented at separating their story and their emotions as they come through. So I experience them. I, f I feel what they feel as they share the story, which can be very, very difficult. <laughs> I'm sure it's overwhelming and exhausting. Yes. Yeah, yes. I am. I did go see a medium once. This was actually just probably about nine months ago, actually. And she was similar to the where she could feel, you know, my husband had died, he had cancer, you know, he had ocular melanoma, and it spread to his brain. And, you know, the first thing she just started doing when she she was feeling the pain in up here, and she's like, why, you know, and she knew nothing about my story, we hadn't even talked. And so she, you know, she just really was feeling the pain. She's like, why am I feeling so much pain up, you know, up here in my head and right behind my eye. And, you know, then we went into that. So that's... did your son come through? Yes. Oh, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. Let's yeah. save it for the next yeah. podcast. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And, and I agree with the whole like concept. In fact, maybe before I lost my husband who was killed by a drunk driver in 09, I never really thought about it very much, but it was after his traumatic sudden death, it like ripped my soul open. And I think that's probably my first awakening in life. You know, I became a different person. I grew to be a different person. But that's when I, my grief was so heavy, brought me down so low that I went to see a medium for my own survival. Mm -hmm. And I write about that in my book I published earlier this year, Better Not Bitter, A Journey from Heartache to Healing. I detail a lot of that journey of communicating after death communications mm -hmm. like what you talk about and mm -hmm. what you yeah. experienced becky becky angie uh, angie i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> becky was on last time oh, no. <laughs> that's okay we will not edit that out because that just shows that we are human you know okay so samantha going forward you know is there any like where are you at now i guess like where are you at now in this whole journey? 
oh gosh, you know, every time I think I've healed something, I'm like, oh, the list has got to be getting shorter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm quickly reminded by life, the universe, my spirit guides, circumstances that we are, we are all onions and there's an endless amount of layers of healing to do. I think the beautiful part now though, is that I have so many tools. I've, I've done some healing on some very big issues, learned so much about myself and connection. I have a whole host of friends in my head, <laughs> spirit guides that are right there to talk at me even when I don't want them to. Mm -hmm. So I know I have more healing to do. I know there's still elements of my personality that are pure trauma response and not pure Samantha. So I work on myself daily. I write daily, but it's a beautiful process for me at this point. It's fun, challenging, engaging, and so rewarding in that the more work I do, the more people that are drawn to me, which I love. I believe fully in the law of attraction that we, we will align with the energy that we broadcast into the world. And the more I dig into my story, the more I share my story, which is terrifying. You all should be yeah. grateful. I'm here saying these words out loud to you today. <laughs> but you know what? You are going to touch somebody with what yeah. you've shared. Yeah. For sure. Somebody's going to identify with it and you might just open them up enough to maybe seek help or yes, look at their own life a little differently. But before we get to the end of this, how can people contact you if they wanted to reach out to you for counseling or because you, you do that as a side business and you do the readings and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Is there a way for people, listeners that might want to contact you? Yes, ma'am. You can find me at drcooperandco.com. That's www.drcooperandco.com. Or I'm all over social media. You can find Dr. Cooper and her company on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I am not good at all at using Twitter. So I'm on there and you can contact me, but you won't find a lot of content on Twitter. <laughs> I do try to post every day though on Facebook and Instagram, which I have found to be a beautiful experience for me, even if no one else <laughs> looks at my posts, I guess it's been a learning experience for me. I, I ride my bike almost every morning and I talk with my spirit guides and energy and the beautiful sunshine. And I think about what I'm going through or a key lesson or something that's happened to me in that last 24 hours. And then I sit on a bench out in the field at the end of my bike ride and just share two or three minutes of a lesson or a challenge or a trauma response. And Hopefully some of that touches people. If not, I've realized that it, it helps me. I grow through each one of those posts too. So it's been a beautiful, beautiful healing experience just to try to share more of myself with the world. You yeah. always have a great smile on your face and I see it every day. Yeah, I oh. love that. I, I love, love that. I wanted to ask too, and we'll post all of Samantha's information on the bio, you know, on our about podcast episode. I'm still learning all this stuff, <laughs> but yes. So I, I did want to question, what about, are you, are you remarried or are you still single or where are you at in <laughs> life with that? Well, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I haven't spoken for, I am oh. remarried. <laughs> Cause I was going to say, wow, you, you have a lot to offer and give. So I can only imagine that this man is blessed for sure. He you know, is fantastic we are all, we are all remarried. I mean, we both lost our first spouses. So we've all entered that stage of life 
for a second chapter. Mm-hmm. And isn't it wonderful to get that opportunity? Yeah. Even after the loss to be able to continue to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then I wanted to also ask, I have just full of questions for you, but for um, if anybody, you know, is trying to become more mindful of, you know, their own body and try to find their spirit guides or how, how can they, how can they dig in? Can you give them like maybe one or two quick lessons of how to find their awakenings and what they can do or? Absolutely. I love this question actually, because yeah. I've been asked many times. So I have two little tips that I think are both fun and not scary. So the first one was an exercise. My friend who introduced me to spirituality said, she says, you know, it's hard to trust that you're hearing your guides. You know, sometimes we think, oh, it's just the voice in my head or, oh, it's not what I think it is or trust our intuition. Not everybody hears spirit. Sometimes it's just a feeling or an intuition. And she says, you know, if you can't trust it, give yourself a timeline. Maybe it's an hour or a day or a week or however long you're willing to give into this process and just agree with yourself that you won't question anything for that time frame. I chose a day and then it ended up being a week and then I'd like to think I still haven't given up on it, but I chose a a day and said, okay, this entire day, no matter what I feel or hear when I think I'm channeling spirit, I will not question it. I will not question myself. I will take it as cold, hard truth and I will believe it, feel it and act on it. And once you start that process and start hearing yourself, hearing your body, hearing your guides, feeling that love and that connection, it's hard to give up. (laughs) So just a short little exercise oftentimes will help kind of train you into hearing it more or trusting it more. So even if you don't believe, give it an hour or a day or however long you're willing to commit to it. I love that. My second piece of advice is just do what you can to still your mind which is almost impossible, right? Our minds are, our Hard ego one. never stops talking. You know, a lot of people will prescribe meditation, which I do daily for as long as I can carve out time for, but that doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Not everyone is compelled to meditate. So if that's not for you, find what is. Maybe it's a walk or sitting amongst the trees or, I don't know, riding a bike, whatever it is that really allows you to feel connected or at ease and then see what you notice when finally that ego takes a back seat for a little bit. And oh, okay, we're enjoying this. I can stop yammering at you for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. That's, I think that's very, very helpful. And I just think that, yeah, I think that's very helpful for people. I, I journal a lot. So for me, I feel like, you know, I, I try to do a little bit of it, but I find myself wanting to get deeper into my own soul. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what I need to work on. I went from journaling to Facebook. (laughs) That's my diary. I can look back every year and see what I was thinking a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a twist on journaling could be free writing. You're still journaling, but there's no requirements or expectations. Simply write what comes to you. I learn a lot about myself that way. If I'm frustrated or stuck, I'll do free writing for a while. Okay. That's, that's, that's actually good to know because yeah, I, I think then I get stuck and then I get frustrated with my own self, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I should be doing, I should be writing because that's, that's what's supposed to help, but maybe it's not, you know? Well, Samantha, we're going to be wrapping things up, but we like to end our podcast with your favorite thing that helped you get through your dark times. And, you know, if you have a favorite quote or a book that you read, 
something on that line that you can share with our guests? Absolutely. I'm going to bring things full circle, I think, because you both mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, gratitude. I think you said attitude, gratitude. And that for me was the number one thing that pulled me out of some of the darkest times in my first two awakenings. There were days where I would try to work or try to even just do basic tasks and I would just sit and cry. I just couldn't pull myself together sometimes. And for whatever reason, one day I thought, well, I can't, I can't write this email for work right now, but I can write something to somebody. So I grabbed my cell phone and I picked my two closest friends and I texted them, not more complaining about my current situation, just thank you. I love you. I hope you have a wonderful day. And that turned into my daily gratitude texts. And I made it a rule that it was always just something positive. Thank you for your friendship. I hope your day is awesome. I hope your coffee is hot, whatever fun little thing I could think of. And those daily text messages carried me through the worst of the days. And I've done since then a lot of reading. There's a lot of research that actually supports the notion that attitude or that gratitude is one of the most healing emotions during difficult times. So that's you right. Can find anything, even the smallest of things to be grateful for. It can definitely help. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Well, we're going to end this session. Samantha, I am so thankful, as is Angie, that you agreed to join us today and share your story. I know you were a little nervous about it, but yes, it's ma'am. great. <laughs> you planted, put seeds out into the universe that will no doubt help somebody else. I agree. And so I, I think you've been a warrior of your own life and finding your light and it's obvious to me how your past is helping create that little mini Cooper into a wonderful <laughs> human being. You're a good mom. I don't care what anybody's ever told you in the past, but I'm totally impressed. Thank you both. You're so kind. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And then just to end, yeah, we will see you in a two weeks, friends. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to our next guest, Samantha. You you will remember from Okoboji Writers Retreat. Her name is Carrie England. And if you if anybody listening has read my book, she was the gal that I talk about in my book who helped me find my path to forgiveness of the drunk driver. She didn't know she was, but that's what started me on the path of forgiveness. Yeah, can't wait. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you both. Thanks.